With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, and welcome to the Elm Park Rolls podcast. My name is Paul Mann, and I will be hosting the show today. Well, this is the day when we saw some big news event, and I'm not talking about the Wayne Rooney wife situation with uh, Rebecca Vardy. Now, that was strange. Wagatha Christie, probably the greatest hashtag I've ever seen. No, I mean, Jose Gomez parting company with Reading Football Club. 38 games, nine wins, 15 defeats. The lowest win ratio in the last century for a manager, and I give credit to Wim for that stat off Twitter, 23.7%. You can't really put a positive spin on that, can you, as a fan? Um, even he would probably have to accept that is not acceptable, especially this season after spending reportedly 15 million. We're never quite sure after how much of that is true. But to help me talk through that, I've been joined by Jack Wynn Stanley from uh, Radio Berkshire. Hi. Hello. And I've also been joined by Alex Everson. Hi. Yes. And Dave Stevens. Hello. So, Jack, what was your first thoughts when you kind of were seeing the news yesterday? Now we know it's confirmed. What are you feeling about it? Uh, my feeling is that the writing was always on the wall when it came to this international break in particular. You've mentioned it already. Jose Gomez spent a lot of money over the summer bringing in players that fitted his mould. He was bringing in his players. And when those players weren't performing, you know, perhaps it's the players' fault. But ultimately, you can't sack players as easily as you can sack managers so I think once that you know he'd gone into his first 11 league games and he'd only you know picked up eight points from those games and Reading were in exactly the same position essentially as they were when he took over I I think there was an inevitability about it coming into the international break as I say because that's when you can make a change and spend a bit of time trying to find the next man yeah, is the next man is the big question, isn't it? Who is it going to be? We can come on to that later, obviously. <laughs> yeah, we've had some worrying names out there for some people. I'm not so worried about some of them. But uh, Dave, what are you feeling about it as a fan who gets to kind of see watch a lot of games, but now she comes, so you haven't got that big emotional thing involvement of being at the game, just kind of interesting viewpoint. Yeah, that's true. It's um, haven't haven't felt quite the the loving that some have from being a bit distant, but. Yeah, um, I was very much on the fence. Like, I wasn't strongly Gomez in. I wasn't strongly Gomez out. Um, the results were terrible. The performances were awful. Um, but that doesn't seem to be anything new. So I'm, I'm, I'm less against the club sacking him and more wondering whether this is going to actually change anything. Um, so the, the news was greeted with, well, we, we all saw the rumours yesterday, so we're waiting for it to happen. Um, 
yeah, I don't know. If it, it, it seems harsh. I, I think uh, Jose is a really nice guy. Talks talks nicely and about the club and the town. So uh, on a personal level, it's kind of sad for for him that he didn't get more of a chance. But as I say, you look at the league table and what can you do? Yeah, I don't think we should forget the bouncy kind of positivity he gave us last season when he came in. I think that was a key factor to us staying up. I, I think he's a really nice bloke, as I was saying before I started recording this. He's a nice person. Um, some of the managers we've had before, not so sure on. But Alex, you were kind of definitely veering, I felt, towards that you'd kind of reached the end with Gomez. What are your thoughts on it? I would say I was more towards the Gomez out scale, although I wouldn't push myself towards saying I was desperate for him to leave. Um, I think generally... The, like Jack said, the writing was kind of on the wall. The results weren't really good enough. And despite a lot of people saying that we're playing better, I don't personally see it. I think we're still struggling to we're still struggling to defend. We're not really taking chances, although we are actually creating them. And really we're not we're not coming out and actually dominating teams. We feel still too reactive in games. We're not proactive enough. And in reality, Gomez was never the owner's first choice. So yeah. how much how much of a leash did he really have? People are saying it's only one one bad run of form, but if you're third, fifth, sixth choice as manager when you come in and you produce this kind of run of form of two wins in 11 games and was it a 24% win ratio or something like that, I don't really think there's that... It's not that surprising, in all honesty. No, it's it's not... I don't think it's surprising. Uh, like I said, I think maybe they could have given him a little bit longer, but I also completely understand why people say it was time for him to go. He's spending that amount of money in the summer. I mean, we've had 11 matches. We've got eight points. We conceded 17 goals. I mean, that's a few too many. I don't think any of us realistically were expecting us to finish in the top, be in the top six by now. I, I wasn't expecting that. Maybe some of our fans were thinking that, but I think we've got far more issues than to worry about that. But, Jack, what do you think is going to be what is required from the Knicks manager? What kind of manager do you think we should be looking for? I think you've had a few different managers over the last few years. Jose Gomez was the kind of left-field choice. Paul Clements, kind of the, the technician. Yapstam had a bit of flair about him. I think what Re Reading really need now is someone who can man-manage and get the best out of this squad of players. Because I think Reading have a really good squad of players. I wouldn't necessarily say they've got a good squad but they've got lots of individuals who are very, very good players. And I think what needs to happen now is someone who can come in and really nurture that and, and turn it into uh, a team that can get the results. We've seen flashes of it this season. You know, Cardiff at home, everyone got possibly a little bit carried away about that. Uh, but that was a fantastic performance. You had Huddersfield, West Brom managed to pick up decent results. And they've looked good in, in the League Cup as well. So I really think that the next person who comes in needs to have probably a proven track record, either A, of getting the best out of individual players of a really top quality, because Reading do have some of those, but also potentially just knows Reading a little bit, because I think over the last few years, they've kind of got away from having managers who, who know Reading. Uh, and that's something that's happened over a couple of decades. It's not just necessarily over the last couple of years, but someone like that as well. Yeah, we need to find someone who kind of yeah, I agree with all that. I find it kind of gets our ethos, which I'm sure some people listen will say that Jose Gamers was that man in some ways. But yeah, I kind of I just think over a continuous period, he's not was never having the results 
to give him that backing. And I think, as you say, with the individuals, which Liam Moore has come out recently and said that individually we've got some quite decent players. And I think that's a fair comment. I don't think we're top of the league or anything. But I think we have a kind of we have a structure then, a basis for a half decent, I'd say mid-table team. <laughs> Nothing going to be startling there at the moment. But I think for us to be where we are is why he's lost his job so early. It does worry me slightly that Keir Jarosham is so involved with the club and I'm not sure who is making these decisions. I know a lot of us got excited about the transfers and how much say is Keir Jarosham, if if he has got any say with Mark Bowen, he seems to be very closely linked with Dai Young on the Knicks manager appointment. And coming to that one, we have Mark Hughes, who obviously has been linked a lot with Mark Bowen. Previously, he's been in jobs all across the country with him. It seems to be that their Sky Sports are saying that that's not going to happen. But I have to say Sky Sports News has been proven to be wrong on occasions. <laughs> so I'm not sure, Dave. What are you thinking on the possibility of Mark Hughes? Uh, strong possibility. Um, but I can think of many reasons why he wouldn't and why we wouldn't. Um, I, I don't know that what he wants to do or what he has what he has done in the past, I can't say what he wants to do, I don't know the man, but um, the way he has structured his teams and the way he has players play, do we have that squad that would attract him? Um, maybe they're going to promise him he can do whatever he wants in January, fair enough. Um, I feel like he is still, despite recent less than great performances and, and um, experiences, he's still a high-profile manager. So I think he may see himself as maybe above Reading. Um, and really, if you look at our track record recently, is it really one you want on your CV? <laughs> you know? No. Uh, like five minutes to, to get results and uh, a squad that will start talking about you reportedly, allegedly, if you, do, if you don't do what they want. So, um, yeah, I think it's a possibility, but I think that the early high odds may have come from the obvious link with um uh he's represented by kia as well i think and then um the link with mark Byrne. Yeah. yeah it's uh i'm not sure i i see a lot of negative things about mark hughes but if you look at his cv i know it's dipped off in the last few years and that does slightly concern me because i think some managers like anything in life they slightly go out of date and they kind of their success rate gets less and less and less and other teams work out how to beat that system. But one person who I think maybe, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to happen because I don't think it will happen, but theoretically in the world of podcasts, you can talk about anything. Chris Hewton, I think there's a man that I think would suit our framework. He's a man who always talks about starting from the back and creating that foundation. He gets a little bit touchy when you say that to him because he assumes that you're saying that he's a defensive manager, but I think it's the perfect way to start any team. If you're not letting goals, it's far easier to win matches. What would you think, Alex, of him coming in? I imagine Chris Hewton is probably the first choice for most Reading fans, or realistic first choice for most Reading fans. Wouldn't have any complaints, really, of Chris Hewton. think it would be a pretty solid appointment. I uh, don't really think he's got a bad record anywhere, particularly. I know he's got a little bit of a bad reputation for, as you say, defensive football at some of his past clubs. But realistically, it's kind of got to the point now with Reading where I don't really care what style of football we play anymore. 
whether it's playing out from the back, whether it's direct, whether it's, you know, whatever style it is, I, I don't really care anymore. I just want to see a team which actually, you know, puts in a bit of effort, succeeds from time to time and doesn't look like they're going to struggle every year. That would be perfect, wouldn't it? Be, I just see some organisation and some consistency of selection. And I think that was a major problem that Gomez has had. He never knew his first team. I never felt... I mean, you see... The I mean, he came, out after, he came out after the... I think it was the Bristol game and, and said in his post-match interview with uh, with Tim Deller about the fact... And, and Deller asked him straight up, asked him the question, do you know your best team and do you know your best formation? And he, he came out and said yes. And it, it's very difficult to, to believe him because I don't think we've played the same team more than twice, perhaps, in a row this season. And I know there's been a few injuries here and there, but even then... There's there's not really been that much consistency in the way of like style of play or or tactically it just it, it feels all over the place, especially in game. Yeah, I, it's just a it's a concern, isn't it, Jack? You've speak, spoken to him on a kind of weekly basis since he's been at the club. How did you find his your relationship with him? Uh, personally, I, I can't speak any higher of him, you know, and a lot of people have come out in the last few hours from when we're recording this saying that actually he was a really, really lovely bloke. And I think what he did through that, he was very personable. He would always shake your hand. You know, I've, I've interviewed him. I played in a match with him where he nutmegged me and then gave me a wink and went past. Um, you know, he's, he's a really lovely bloke. And what he, I think, did with that is he did something that I don't think you know, let's put let's put what was happening on the pitch aside for a second. I think what he did that perhaps Paul Clement didn't do, and, and even to an extent Yap Stam didn't really do, um, bearing in mind he got us to the playoff final, was he won the heart of the club. You know, Portugal Day, um, you know, Reading fans that kind of built a little bit of a cult around him. And he really sort of brought Reading fans back to the club that have become so disillusioned with it um, over the 18 months before. And I think that genuinely came from the heart, you know, the, the the statement that's come out from the League Managers Association that he put out, I, I think a lot of the sentiments in that are genuine. They are they are true, um, and he, and he was just a lovely bloke, and I think that kind of bled into the fan base as well. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons why he's so missed. As I said earlier, he's just a he came over so well. The Portugal day, he gave us hope when we're kind of. I mean, it sounds like we're sinking on the Titanic here, but it's kind of, it's good. He just brought us up and we've really been really stale going to the Medeski Stadium for many years before. And I know even under Yapstam, it was okay. We did great in that season. We got the third. You can't dismiss that. On the pitch, we got the results, but it was incredibly dull. And I don't know how we managed that. That's quite a weird. Now we bite our hand off of that third place. But yeah, to give us that hope. And he just came over so well. And I've spoken to so many people that have met him. And I haven't heard anyone say a negative thing about him ever. He always seems to have more than enough time when he meets anyone. So I, I personally, I wish him all the luck in the world in the next job. Um, whether he'll do any well or not, and whether he'll go down as a, you know, a top manager of Reading, no, he probably won't do that. But he hasn't left us in a much different situation to when he actually arrived. Because when he arrived, we were 21st. And now we're 22nd. So it's kind of, it's a bit of a strange situation with him. Um, I want to now have a look at the whole of Reading Football Club and try to work out how we're repeatedly in this situation of changing manager, a vicious circle that we've created. And starting from, kind of, I'm going to start from the 2014-15 season. I know 
people will be able to say John Medeski was the main reason why the club has gone down the downhill. I understand that. And the world, world crisis. But that's very deep. So let's, let's look at the football. And since then, we've had as managers Atkins, Clark, Brian McDermott, Stam, Clement, now Gomez has gone as well. That is too many managers in a space of only five years. Why do you think this is happening, Jack? I think there's a lack of succession planning. Um, I know you said you mentioned Medeski. I won't, I won't go there too much, but there's a lot of turnover in terms of the owners, in terms of CEOs, sporting directors, people of that ilk, and it means that I don't, looking from the outside in. It doesn't feel like there's much sort of succession planning in terms of, right, we're going to build a squad for the next three or four years. Because if you look even just at the numbers of the last few transfer windows, particularly the summer transfer windows, there's been a huge number of players brought in in each of the last three or four uh, transfer windows. And when you've got so many players coming in, you can't begin, I don't think, to build some sort of long-term plan which will see you through. Um, and, uh, you know, I would say that probably that does go back to Medeski and the fact that he actually stuck with managers and he had some sort of idea of a long-term vision of the club, um, which I don't think we've, as a, as a club, they've really had in place since. Yeah, we've been constantly firefighting. Ever since that season of 2014 when Anton Zingarevic, that person, yes, I tried to avoid mentioning him completely. He's on my Ron Gourlay list of banned names. But, um, <laughs> since then, he left in that season. Then we saw the Thai consortium come in. Now, the Thai consortium came in under the situation where we were very close to administration. They were offered, basically, they were offered the ground and the area around it to take it on. And the club was almost seen as an... It was a part of the purchase, but it maybe wasn't the main thing for them. But that's fine, because they, that was an honest deal. And that's what the situation was. The Ties also did some good work for us. It wasn't just bad times at all. But we saw someone else involved there, and that was Keir Jarcham during that window. With Vidra, Ola John, and we're back here again. Now, this is a slight worry for me, that we're back in that situation, and it's getting worse again. Dave. How are we going to get out of this situation of continually bringing in Keir Jasham every three or four years, maybe, and also the continual managerial change? Yeah, so this is going to sound pessimistic, but I've been thinking about this a bit recently, and I feel like, so when when Medeski was in charge, Sir John, give us a full title, but he, um, I don't know if there's like rules around that, probably shouldn't just say <laughs> Medeski. Um when when he was in charge, um, one of his favourite sayings that I remember um, way back when was, was always about cutting the cloth. Right? He would he was a very astute businessman. He would he would put money in when necessary, but um, had to run as a business, and and the club had to be uh, sustainable. Um, what that led to was the fact that we then couldn't compete for big fees we weren't buying superstars we would therefore get the right manager in give them time to build a team and focus on a cohesive team and and that's what we saw uh in the like 0203 when we came kind of close and then um 0405 we're getting a little better and then we don't need to talk about to any reading fan about 0506 they know about that um and then we saw a return of that with um uh 
Brian McDermott when he took us up in in nearly in eleven twelve and then and in twelve uh, sorry nearly in ten eleven and eleven twelve he did it. Um, the problem is, I think oh five oh six and then going into that Premier League season uh, following was roughly the last time you could do that without spending the money. Um, I know we you know liter was a million pounds and and you know we, we put some money in. Let's not kid ourselves, but. Um, you could do that. You could get a team together and you could compete if they were cohesive and work together. Um, the championship, I think probably when we last won, it was the last time you could do that at this level as well. I think that's now filtered down here. And we saw in that resulting Premier League season exactly the golf when you don't have the money to put in. Um, so given that the aim has been to to get to that top level and, and become a sustainable Premier League club that, that stays up, um the the only real answer has been we've got to compete in terms of the money we're spending and and, and working with agents and, and doing it that way and i think what we're seeing uh ever since 14 15 onwards is that we have not got that balance right yet we we are not a big enough club that we can sustain that level of spending we need to like we have these boom and busts where we'll spend a bunch of money awesome money's coming in and then oh no we, we can't get anyone in for a while <laughs> we we have to sell people and everything else um i think we are going through a very awkward growing stage right now um and i i don't know what the answer is going to be um i think getting the next manager right to where they are a man manager as previously mentioned um, who can try and get some cohesiveness out of what we've already paid for. We have the talent there, but can we get them together? And then hoping beyond all hope that at some point we can just go that extra mile, get promoted, put the extra investment in there, and then stay there for a number of years. I think that's how we fix it. Until that happens, I don't know that we're going to see much change to what we've seen the past few years. Yeah. As, um, uh, it is a worry how we keep on going through this boom and boss period, as you say. It's kind of it's not sustainable. We don't have enough big enough fan base, and you know, in the next couple of years, I, I, we don't know what's happening with financial fair play. But we have spent a lot of money, and if we don't manage to get promotion, you would assume in the next, which sounds ridiculous in the position we're in, but <laughs> get promotion to the Premier League in the next couple of years, we're going to have major issues. One thing I think is a clear issue within the uh, club is the lack of clarity of roles now we've heard this on the podcast that Jack Winston has been involved with for Radio Berkshire from Steve Copper we've heard this from Brian McDermott they all knew what was the roles of the people that we had Nicky Hammond doing the transfer deals and buying Nicky Shorey for 25p and selling him for 12 million whatever it was it's just incredible deals that he would do Signed Greg Halfen and then managed to get him back out on the same fee. We all know what he did. He was an absolute genius with his deals. Then we had Sir John as the owner and chairman. There was complete clarity there. We had a manager. We had the youth system set up nicer. We had Omen Dolan there. I, I just don't feel that we've had that clear role definition there for a good few years now. And since Nicky Hammond's left, our transfer policy has been a mess. And as you said, Jack, every window, it seems to be eight, nine players coming in. I, I can't see how that you can go up or stay stable in any way in that position, Alex. How do you think 
we're going to find any calmness in the transfer situation? It's a difficult one. I really think that you're relying on uh, Mark Bowen to kind of get things right with the squad now. And how much like how how much trust do people actually have him to do that? I, no one knows. No one no one really knows whether he's going to succeed in that. Obviously, we had uh, Hammond in that role four or five years ago, um, before before he moved up to West Brom, and and Teverden did come in and replace him. And at the time, it appeared like he was doing okay work, and and the transfer situation seemed to be going okay. In hindsight, maybe he wasn't doing such a great job given. The amount of those players who've obviously now already moved on from the club. Um, however, the one thing that Teverin did have in his favour is that a lot of the players who were signing were signing for they were signing for a reason, and they were signing for to to fit the mould and the model that Yapstam wanted to play in. And uh, I mean, we saw obviously a ton of Dutch players sign, which made sense with the connection. Uh, however, the 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 fact that all the model, the model of the players who we were signing were all consistent, meant that there was at least a there was a base to try and build up from there. This summer, I don't know. Do we have we done that this summer, or is it just a case of we've gone out and signed a bunch of players who we think might be quite talented, without really knowing whether they're going to fit the system, whether they've got the right attitude to play. We don't know yet, I think is the answer. And going forwards, we're going to have to hope that whoever the next manager is has a clear vision in mind as to not just this necessarily the style of football they want to play, but the type of person they actually want to have in their team. Um, and that's not to say whether they're going to be like a technical ball player or, you know, direct winger or something. It's more the character of the, the, the makeup of the squad that they actually are going to be able to create because if we come if we if we have someone who comes in and kind of just steps around the issue we're going to be left with a situation where we've got multiple managers uh squads mashed into one managed by a new manager who doesn't really know what they want and hasn't actually managed to put the squad into some kind of some kind of model that they they wish to see and eventually, to be honest, if if we get this manager appointment wrong, I don't really see anything other than relegation for Reading in the next couple of years. At some point, it just—I it, mean—we're kind of draining the circle, we're draining the hole, and at some point it's going to happen. If if the manager appointments keep going wrong, you can't keep yourself afloat every year. It just isn't possible. It feels inevitable, doesn't it, Jack? At some point, if we continue on this path, that we're going to get relegated. And I think in the last few years, if you look at the teams that have been relegated, uh, and I discussed this in the office with AD and Tim a lot of the time over the last couple of years, that you could argue, there is an argument there, that the reason that Reading haven't got relegated in the last couple of years is because there are teams worse than them in the Championship. And at some point, there will be teams who aren't worse than Reading in the Championship. At the moment, you look at, you look at Stoke and you think they're probably going down unless they sort something out pretty quickly. And I thought a couple of weeks ago you could look at Huddersfield and put them as a banker to go down. But obviously that's all changed in the last couple of weeks as well. And yes, I think there is an inevitability about it because of that argument that there's going that at some point it will run out the amount of teams that are worse than Reading. 
Yeah, it will, sadly. Um, unless we have a change. That is all we can hope for, isn't it, in the situation? <laughs> We've got to hope for some kind of structural change. I mean, going back to 2014, there's only two players here that are still here since that start of that season. And that is Gareth McCleary and Chris Gunter. Now, strangely, oh, those two players... Yeah, I them off on the podcast, Paul. Yeah, and well, <laughs> I don't have any problems with either of them. They're just fine. There's nothing to say they've done anything wrong. Is those two players will now will be allowed out of their Reading FC cage and are back probably into the Reading FC first team training squad. That is such a strange situation. And I don't know. I, I never was never that comfortable with that situation happening. So, I mean, you've interacted with them, Jack. What do you think of it? It's a kind of situation where a player is still being paid their wages. There's mm-hmm. no problem there. But it just feels strange as a fan. Yeah, and I, I sat down with Jose Gomez towards the end of last season, and uh, I, you know, I said to him, "Look, what's going to happen over the the summer? Are there going to be any players moving on?" And he said to me, "Look, there will be some players moving on, but I'm going to do the right thing. I'm going to speak to them." And I do genuinely think that he did the right thing in the summer by probably saying to a group of players that probably included Chris Gunter and Gareth McCleary, "Look, it's probably best that you go and find another club because you're not going to be needed here." What has happened since then, though, the fact that they didn't manage to find another club for whatever reason is something that makes a lot of fans feel slightly uncomfortable. And the issue is, I think, that a manager, they're they're kind of a a strange type of beast, a football manager. They will never go back on a decision. They'll always cut off their nose to spite their face because once that decision has been made, if Jose Gomez in the last couple of weeks had brought Gareth McCleary and Chris Gunter back into the fold, a lot of people would say that that completely undermines his authority at the club. So I think whilst a lot of people don't agree with it, I'm not sure that it would have changed whilst he was in charge. No, no, I, I agree. No way it would have changed. That would have seen its complete weakness from him, wouldn't it? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. No manager's <laughs> going to do that. <laughs> no way. But I don't know, Dave. I mean, you see around the ground on a match day, you hear about the Reading way and how, what is the Reading way now? I mean, we used to know what it was, but what is it now? What would you say is the Reading way? I'm going to sound like a broken record here, but I, I've also decided that the Reading way was actually the Medeski way. Um, I think now it's up and around because it, to use a marketing term, it tests positively with the fan base. Like people see that and they're like, yeah, the Reading way. I, I like that. And what we're actually doing is we're remembering fondly the old days. <laughs> Uh, I don't think it's the Reading way like since the 70s or I mean long before my time but you know I feel like it's it's a reflection of the the growth and 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 continued success and and improvement each year pretty much under Medeski's tenure and I think that's what people are wishing for yeah go on Alex you're gonna say um yeah I was gonna say the the Reading way pretty much died in when was it 20 2011 2012 what was the when was the year we were in the premier league 2012 right so yeah, 2013 it, it pretty much died the year we were in the premier league and we lost the 9th of 9th of march 2013 when we lost at home to aston villa and mcdermott was sacked the day after yeah, yeah. that was no, pretty much the end it. of any like reading way which anybody like remembers fondly or knows like well because since then, it's been like constant change, 
constant upheaval. Not really bringing in players who are coming in from lower leagues and, you know, proving themselves in inverted commas, as we used to see. Um, I mean, how many how many players have we seen come through the club who are on stupidly high wages and not really ever done anything? I mean, Royce, Royce and Drento, was he a Reading Way player? No. Um, there's, there's a lot of... The Reading Way hasn't existed for five years. It's just a nice, I think it's just a nice marketing thing, which, as Dave said, it's people are kind of just harking back and hoping that, it, you know, because we've got, well, because we had, in inverted commas, a slight connection with a face figure at the club, that you can you can push the marketing onto people. And there isn't a Reading Way, I don't think, anymore. We're just, and I feel like it's a, I feel like people used to use the Reading way because Reading did do things differently. We kept managers around. Um, we tended to, you know, bring players up from lower leagues and then sell them on when they were at their peak. And in reality now, Reading aren't a special club. Sorry to tell people. We're not a special club. We're just like everybody else. We sack managers when they're not doing very well. We, make, we waste money on players who aren't very good. And, yeah, our fans are only going to come sometimes when we're winning. Like, people have to accept the fact that Reading are very similar to most other clubs in the country, unfortunately. We, we don't have anything which is, is particularly stand out about us anymore. Yes, um, that was that upbeat measures there from Alex. Sorry <laughs> <laughs> about that. No, no I, I agree with a lot of it. I can't disagree with it. But yeah, you were going to say, trying to say something there, Jack. Well, I was just going to say, Alex, you mentioned about the, the wages there. And actually, some of the thing that Brian McDermott mentioned to us on the latest one of our podcasts was that uh, about the Pavel Pogrebniak signing in that season. Um, and he said to us, he was trying to get Shane Long back. They needed a centre forward. He wanted Shane Long back, but it was Anton Zingarevic who said, I want Pavel Pogrebniak. And at the end of the day, McDermott said, well, I had to go with what Anton wanted. And then later on in that very same conversation, um, AD said to, to Brian, he said, well, was that the kind of time, do you think, where the wages started going up as well? And, and Brian, he, he said, I, I had no idea. I never wanted to know what Pavel was earning or, or any of the players were earning, but he suspects that that's the time where the wages really began soaring through the roof for Reading. And I think there's possibly an argument that, as you're saying, Alex, that season was the one where perhaps money began to talk a little bit more with Reading Football Club. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree with Pavel Pogrevnik and obviously Anton Zingaric coming into the club and his uh, cohort, Chris Samuelson, was a turning point for Reading Football Club. It's been hard to change. And something that is constantly being used against Reading signings in the last few years is they're reaching the end of their career or there's a reason why they're here instead of them having to prove a point. Now, someone like Puskas slightly changes that angle because he's obviously still very young and he does have a point to prove. But we've seen lots of signings over the last few years. Um, I could go through all the names, but it's unfair to pick them all out, I feel, because some of them have actually been good and there's been injuries for the reasons why they haven't reached any potential. But I just want to see a new energy within the club. And I think that's why people are really struggling with Gomez leaving, because they saw some hope with him. And now that's been taken away again and they don't know what kind of energy is going to come in at the moment. And that's what we badly need. We need someone who's going to lift us up from where we are in a crowd situation because that will help the team and that helps everything on the pitch. And the pitch will just be so much more enjoyable to watch. And for the last two or three years, it's been on the whole, I would say, 
pretty painful. Um, I don't know who we're going to get in. I hope it's someone who's uh, got the right heart for the club and can take us in the right right direction. Are you optimistic, Jack, that we're going to stay up at this point? What's your gut feeling? Uh, am I optimistic? Yes. But I think that is just going based on the last few seasons that a short-term fix has helped Reading in the last two seasons to avoid relegation. If you were to ask me the question of what would happen next season, I think there are a lot more fundamental things need to happen. But I think, as I mentioned earlier on, if Reading get in a, the right manager next, the squad is there and it's probably quite an attractive squad for a manager to come in and work with. Yeah, definitely. Dave, would you agree this is the biggest appointment since the last big appointment we've had? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think this is like patience is running out. Like you, you can't have another um, eight month manager, right? This needs to get it right because you, you mentioned the crowd. Like uh, if we see uh, that squad out there on the field working for each other, running for each other, talking to each other, looking together and preferably not conceding in the first 15 minutes of the first half or the first two minutes of the second half as last two managers have encountered. Um, if we could just see that, uh, that will turn the crowd positively, then build on that, then start doing the right things so that we're not chopping and changing players every week. We're not chopping and changing managers every six to eight months. That is what this appointment is going to need to do um not getting that right will be down within the next two to three years i i agree I, i'm not thinking that we're quite there this year uh, just because of the players we have um and and certain other teams that i'm not going to mention because when they finish higher than us i'm going to look full um <laughs> but yeah i think we've got enough this year but yeah it, unless this is the right manager that we're still talking about on episode 233 in a couple of years whatever the number would be it's going to be bad news for this club yeah definitely last question for you alex do you think the next manager we appoint will last longer than 12 months um <laughs> silence doesn't work on a podcast hopefully yeah. hopefully yes yeah from my head i'm gonna say no yeah i uh, think good. whoever we appoint in reality i think is going to be here till the end of the season and if we do not stay up we'll get sacked and if we only just stay up we'll get sacked anyway it's just a continual game. I'm really optimistic about this one, as you can tell. <laughs> I'm really, really feeling that the owners are going to get it right. They're going to get the right man in. So, yeah, um, I, no, just... I, I think, uh, I think if if the if the manager comes in and finishes anywhere, I mean anywhere higher than fifteenth, sixteenth, then yes, it, they'll be here longer than twelve months because I think that the squad does have potential, as Jack and Dave have both said. The squad has potential that if someone can come in, stabilise them just for, you know, to, to get them to mid-table essentially this season now, um, they will probably be afforded some time at the start of next season. Again, obviously Gomez wasn't this season, but if you come in and start the next next season and you get to 10 games and we're on, I don't know, 12, 15 points, something like that, I think they'll be around for a little while. Uh, the problem is... If we start slowly again, as we have this year, last year, the year before, 
they're they're going to be in trouble again this time next year because the squad has the squad has had too much money and resource spent into it for for a manager to be afforded that much time. And I, I get that people want a manager to have you know a year, a full season, but it, I just don't I don't think it's going to be realistic. The owners are obviously very ambitious, and I I think generally I think the owners are probably more ambitious for the club than we possibly are as a fan base currently. Yeah, the owners have invested a lot of money off the pitch. If you look at the training ground, which obviously I haven't been to, but it just looks amazing. I mean, that's a huge investment. So the owners, as I would say, the owners are the, probably the best ones you've had since Sir John Medeski uh, from the events they've done. The choices of managers and the way they've dealt with them has not been good. But setting up the structure going forward, which is more important when it comes to training ground, because that's going to be there for the next 25 years or so. That's a really massive thing. So this is not a an, uh, kind of in any way bashing the owners. And I'm not just saying that because I want to speak to them because I never will. <laughs> so <laughs> this is a kind of, I genuinely feel they're not actually terrible owners. So I'm going to finish that on a positive note. So that is good to know. So thanks a lot for listening. And if you have enjoyed it, really appreciate it. If you could retweet it, uh, maybe put some comments about it. Constructive or constructive. I don't mind which one. So thanks a lot. And uh, we will be back after the Preston North End match. And let's hope we're talking about a win. Cheers.